Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the July-born Top 10 Actors in today's episode. What's this? What's this? It's super califragilistic, expialidocious. What is this? A whole new world. What is this? Before we jump into the top 10 uh, of July, I want to just give a special shout out to the three people who nar- narrowly missed this top 10 list, uh, but all have reached 100 po- uh, sc- points in score on my spreadsheet. Uh, like I, I want to remind you, these this top 10 list is not based on my is not as based on my personal opinion as it could be. Um, it's purely statistical based on what I've rated movies, so obviously there is a little bit of bias in the movie ratings, but not beyond that. Uh, so, um, you know, there are definitely people on this list that I probably would not put in my top 10 for this month, but uh, this is how it kind of shakes out. And uh, there are 13 people born in July who have at least have a score of at least 100. And the three of them that did not make the top 10 list I just want to briefly mention are George Sanders in 13th place for July, 137th place overall, who was an, it was an Oscar winner for his performance in All About Eve, also had a voice in The Jungle Book, and was a role character in Rebecca. Uh, Anna Paquin, of uh, Oscar winner for her performance in The Piano, from Almost Famous, The Squid and the Whale, Margaret. And uh, 11th place in July, 126th place overall, is Michael Stuhlberg uh, for performances in Arrival, Seven Psychopaths, Lincoln, and Miss Sloan. So those three narrowly missed the cut, and uh, we'll have to try again next year. Uh, But I have plenty of films to see for each of them, and so there's, there's more than enough opportunity there. For some ground to be gained. However, we are not here to talk about them. We are here to talk about the top 10. So let us jump right in to this month's top 10 actors. Starting us out in number 10th, the only person in the top 10 ranked outside of the top 100 overall. Uh, ranked 113th, born July 10th, 1958. She has appeared in eight films that I have seen uh, to date, with an average film rating of 81.13. She has currently not been nominated for an Oscar. So uh, her films have a value of 21, which leaves her with a score of 102.13. And that is Fiona Shaw. Fiona Shaw uh, is probably most recognizable as Petunia Dursley. Uh, in the Harry Potter franchise, uh, of which I believe five films of her eight uh, comprise uh, those movies, which is a significant chunk, to say the least. Let me see. Prisoner of Azkaban, Order of the Phoenix, Deathly Hallows 1, Chamber of Secrets, Sorcerer's Stone, Deathly Hallows 2. So actually six. Uh, Letterboxd only lists five. It does not include Deathly Hallows Part 2. Um, but a little bit of digging. And I believe on IMDb she is credited in Deathly Hallows Part 2. 
Her other films that are notable are My Left Foot, which is uh, uh, famously won Daniel Day-Lewis, one of his many Oscars. Uh, My Left Foot from 1989. Uh, Fiona Shaw is not a principal character in this film, but she does appear in it, uh, which I think is great because it's a really good film. And then her weakest film, in my opinion, but still a good one. She has no fi- her her lowest rated film is a 69, which is The Tree of Life. I think The Tree of Life is good. I don't think it's as much of a revelation as so many people I've hear I've heard talk about it. I didn't see it until you know much more recently. Uh, I saw it in November this past year as part of one of the scavenger hunts I did, and uh, you know maybe it had just been built up to me too much for me. I this new version of Terrence Malick is incredibly hit or miss. I don't. It, it's I just I, I struggle with this filmmaking technique. And it's it's just a very it's a huge chore for me to to sort of parse through it and try to figure out what exactly he is trying to get at. Uh, that being said, I, I think I think Tree of Life is still on the positive side of the spectrum, uh, and and I, I did like it for what it was. And Fiona Shaw has a small role in that. So very similar to Matthew Lewis uh, from. Uh, recently recent memory in one of the previous top 10 lists uh, he has since fallen out of the top 10 for his month and uh, looking at some of the films of Fiona Shaw's that I have not seen you have uh, Super Mario Brothers from 1993 uh, Dorian Gray from 2009 The Avengers 1998 Fracture from 2007 with uh, Ryan Gosling The Black Dahlia from 2006 uh, and then a couple of a lot of other sort of like way more less lesser known films uh, beyond that. So there's a lot of room there for her score to kind of even out to where I think it should be. I don't think her, I definitely don't think her acting ability is is warranting top ten in this month. Uh, she's great in Harry Potter, but that's one role, and most of those films she's very minor minorly involved in and I honestly don't remember her in my left foot or the tree of life so I'll probably be looking to watch a couple more movies with her in it to see if she can really retain this high score because I'm a little dubious of, of her being in this position but nevertheless in this year she is the 10th highest rated actor in July that's Fiona Shaw Moving on to number nine, ranked 91st overall, born July 3rd, 1962. I have seen 30 films that he has been in uh, for an average film rating of 64.33. He has been nominated for two Oscars, uh, but not won any as of the moment. He is a film value of 37 to give him a total score of 103.33, 1.2 points above Fiona Shaw. And that is the enigmatic and uh, a little crazy Tom Cruise. Now, Tom Cruise has actually been nominated uh, for 
more mo- <laughs> for more Oscars than two. Um, he's been nominated for a third Oscar in a film that I don't know that I've seen yet. Let me look it up. Let me look it up. Let me look it up. Because I have seen nominated for three Oscars. Da, da, da. Magnolia, Jerry Maguire, both of which I've seen. And then the third one, which is not on the spreadsheet, but that I have seen. It just has not, um, I've not had the time to put it on the spreadsheet yet. It's Born on the Fourth of July, which he was nominated for an Oscar. Which, the nomination will bump him up at a full point. Uh, but the, <laughs> knowing how much I liked or didn't like Born on the Fourth of July, it will probably be negated. And I expect he will probably stay... Maybe not at 91st overall, but definitely at 9th in the July top 10. So, um, putting that aside, uh, uh, we have Tom Cruise, who is one of the most recognizable actors today. Um, great, known primarily for the Mission Impossible franchise. Um, his uh, He's had some great turns uh, in Top Gun. Uh, Rain Man, uh, I think one of his better performances actually was Collateral. You could see him in Tropic Thunder in one of the few supporting roles that he's been in. Um, speaking, you know, you can even look, he's worked with uh, Kubrick on Eyes Wide Shut, as well as P.T. Anderson in Magnolia. Um, his most popular film on Letterboxd is the Doug Lyman film Edge of Tomorrow, which I personally love. I think it's fantastic. Uh, and, you know, he's got his Spielberg connection in War of the Worlds, which I thought was okay. Um, and then, you know, he's just... So many of these films, you know, A Few Good Men is incredibly memorable. He was most recently in The Mummy and Jack Reacher, uh, Never Go Back. Uh, and he is, I'm trying to think, uh, there's, and he's most, his upcoming, one of his upcoming films is American Made. I don't really know anything about it, but, uh, I will surely be seeing it. And that's the thing. So Tom Cruise, uh, is, is actually, it's tough. You know, he does all his own stunts. He's already 55 right now. He turned 55 this year. He's, I, I believe there's another Mission Impossible film coming out that he's starring in. And, you know, I, when I saw him in the Jack Reacher Never Go Back last year, he looked old for the first time that I've ever seen him. Uh, I, I was very... It was very troublesome, I think. I do think he kind of has to change his game a little. I think he needs to elevate himself out of these... Mission Impossible, Edge of Tomorrow, uh, you know, Jack Reacher types of roles. I don't think he's quite got it in him. Even if he can physically do these things, he his his the look that he has, he just seems so old, like he's moving very slowly. And that's that's my opinion. And uh, you know, and maybe not. So, but that being said, no, he is ranked in the top 100 on my spreadsheet. You know, I think. Uh, his top three films for me, all rated in the 90s, are The Color of Money, Rain Man, and Edge of Tomorrow. I think they're all fantastic. Um, his uh, Tropic Thunder, Minority Report, Collateral, I think are all also great. Those are his three films rated in the 80s. He's got a ton of films rated in the 70s, 11 of them. 
and a couple of films in the 60s. Uh, you know, five films in the 50s, and then only six films rated below 50. And, you know, so for me, those films are Oblivion, Rock of Ages, Vanilla Sky, Jack Reacher Never Go Back, The Mummy, and unfortunately, and I know there are probably a lot of older, potentially older listeners out there who uh, might object to this, but Top Gun. I don't think Top Gun's that good of a movie. It seemed, you know, and I, I didn't see it at probably the prime age of someone who's going to see that movie. I was a little younger than I than the average person saw it when it came out. But uh, I think it's probably largely nostalgia that people continue to claim that they like it. That's what I kind of... It's uh, what I suspect anyway. But I like Tom Cruise. I, you know, I... I I'm, I mentioned having gone to see uh, The Mummy to my grandfather when I went to see it. It has been a month or month ago-ish or so. And uh, my, grand, my granddad told me that uh, there's two things that prevent him from going to see a movie off the bat. The first is bad reviews, uh, which The Mummy had. And the second is Tom Cruise, which The Mummy had. And I'm not sure how facetious he was being, but Tom Cruise has been in some pretty fantastic movies, uh, all things remaining equal. You know, he's got, you know, A Few Good Men, Jerry Maguire, uh, Eyes Wide Shut, The Last Samurai. Uh, you know, he wasn't acting in this, but Going Clear, Scientology and the Prison Belief is a, is a good documentary, uh, and he is in it. The first Jack Reacher I thought was very good, Mission Impossible. Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, the first one, they're all very fun, they're all very enjoyable. The Firm, um, a lot of laughs in Risky Business as well. So he, he he's, he's covered the gambit. You know, he's got Oscar nominations, he's got big blockbuster action films, he's got quieter dramas, he's been in fantasy, he's been in courtrooms, military movies, and, uh, you know, just kind of everywhere. And I think that uh, he's a very versatile actor. I'd love to see him go back to more dramatic roles. That's what I really hope that he does. And I think he needs to transition himself away from these uh, kind of action-centric films. But, uh, you know, those are, apparently those are the ones that bring in the money for him. And that's fine. But maybe the kind of flop that The Mummy had will clue him in to changing the trajectory of his career. But... Tom Cruise, number 91 overall, number 9 on the July-born top 10 actors list. Uh, I I don't think I would put him in my top 10 if I was going purely based on my opinion, uh, but I do respect the fact that he is up here because he has been in quite a few good movies. Moving on to number 8. Number 8 is more of a character actor, um, not exactly the kind of person who's going to be headlining any films in, in his prime or today. Uh, he is ranked 81st overall, born July 14th, 1926. This man is 91 years old, folks. Still kicking. Uh, I've seen 21 films that he has been in out of the 118 that have been released. Uh, which is a huge number of movies. And I've rated his films an average rating of 70.57, a pretty solid rating there. 
no Oscar nominations as of yet for a value of 34, which puts his score at 104.57. And that is none other than the legendary Harry Dean Stanton, actor, musician, singer, a film career that spans 50 years uh, from such classics as uh, Paris, Texas, The Green Mile, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Escape from New York, Repo Man, Cool Hand Luke, The Last Temptation of Christ, Christine, Pretty in Pink, How the West Was Won, Alien, he was in The Avengers, The Godfather Part 2, Seven Psychopaths, he has been everywhere. Um, and that's not to mention the wealth of films that I haven't seen of his. Uh, and I was kind of going through these by um, popularity on Letterboxd. Wild at Heart, The Straight Story. Uh, you've got Tulane Blacktop. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock's The Wrong Man. Sam Peckinpah. Uh, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. The 1984 version of Red Dawn. Alpha Dog. The Pledge. Straight Time, One from the Heart, Wise Blood, Kelly's Heroes, Ride in the Whirlwind, Private Benjamin with Goldie Hawn, uh, Brando and Nicholson in The Missouri Breaks, Down Periscope. And, like, it just keeps going. It just keeps going. He's been in a ton of films. And he is he's always charismatic in the screen. Uh, he is... You know, probably, I think his best film in which he's acting is hands down Paris, Texas. Uh, I think he gives such an incredibly heartfelt and emotional performance in that movie, and it's it's just it's so affecting, so moving. I, I watched it for a scavenger hunt. I fell in love with this movie. There's a scene in this movie where he find he he's kind of on a mission to find his. I believe ex-wife, uh, and he finds her, and he's talking to her through a glass window sort of situation, and he ends up just kind of watching her, and she can't see him, and she has to go based on his voice, and he can't bear to watch her. He feels awful. She's ah, it's just it's such an affecting scene. I you should really go watch. It. It's a very slow movie, but it's a very affecting movie. It's very well made and very. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous film. Um, that's his third highest rated film from me uh, it's edged out by his second best film Seven Psychopaths and his best movie Alien uh, so you know, he's been in some pretty huge num named films and uh, his lowest rated film is a film called Nine Full Moons which is not one I'm incredibly familiar with and it's actually very far down the list here. Uh, Nine Full Moons, which stars Harry Dean Stanton, Brett Roberts, Amy Simetz, and Donald Logue. It's a 2013 film uh, that I don't really remember anything about. Um, I watched it in July of 2015, as it turns out. And it's like I gave it a 40, so it's not, you know, it's not an awful movie. It's um, my brief synopsis is a tough relationship between implausible partners struggles to survive. Uh, you know, it's not, 
it's not awful. It's just bad. It probably, you know, it doesn't really live up to kind of the, the power of its performers or, you know, the story's a little generic at times. Uh, but Harry Dean Stanton elevates all the movies that he's in, you know, with 40 being his lowest rated film. Like, that's quite impressive, in my opinion. And uh, I think, I think, and personally, he's got nowhere to go but up. He is definitely someone I would put in my top 10 July Born Actors list based purely on opinion. Um, probably right around the 8th slot, as it turns out. And I, I'm glad to see him that high. And I think he can only really go higher. You know, for someone who's been in that many films, it is tough to tough to deny that he has had a long and storied history and some fantastic and great films. So Harry Dean Stanton, number eight in July, number eighty-one overall, and uh, just a fantastic character actor, absolutely fantastic. Moving on to number seven. Number seven is uh, an actor born July 22nd, 1947. Uh, 7th in July, he is ranked 66th overall. And he has been in 15 films that I've seen with an average film rating of 74.67. He has been nominated for one Oscar but did not win and has a film value of 31 for a total score of 106.67, so two more points higher than Harry Dean Stanton was at 104.57. Uh, this is the always funny, always charming Albert Brooks. Uh, Albert Brooks, uh, an actor, voice actor, writer, comedian, and even a director. He was nominated uh, for an Oscar in his performance of Broadcast News. Uh, Broadcast News is his fifth highest rated film at the moment. I gave that film an 87. I thought it was pretty fantastic. He has most notably been in Drive, uh, Taxi Driver, and um, and I guess Broadcast News. Uh, but you can also hear his voice as he is the voice of Marlin in Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. He was also uh, in The Secret Life of Pets and The Simpsons movie. Uh, in The Secret Life of Pets, he voiced Tiberius, who I don't recognize by name. And in The Simpsons movie, he is Russ Cargill, if you recognize that name. He is the insurance salesman from The Simpsons. And... Yeah, so I, I his most recent film of his that I've seen is actually a film called Defending Your Life, a movie he actually directed as well as starred in opposite Meryl Streep, um, which is kind of about the two of them are dead and in a place called Judgment City where they are forced to be on trial for their own lives to see whether they or not they are worth progressing into another stage of life or returning back to earth and reliving their lives as somebody else and that's kind of the idea of it it's an interesting concept uh more so than a good movie um but i i think it's 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 worth a look i, I it's worth a look i gave it a 61 so just north of good for me and uh, i i did have a good time watching it i will say that 
Uh, my favorite film of his is Finding Nemo. I think Finding Nemo is incredible. He is the main character in Finding Nemo as Marlin. I said Martin, I think, the first time. I meant Marlin. He is Marlin. And he his voice is pitch perfect for that character, for that role. He makes Marlin come alive. He sounds exactly like the kind of father who would search the ocean for his son, despite the fact that he really isn't accustomed to doing something like that. And I think that's so difficult to portray. And I think Albert Brook pulls it off phenomenally. Um, he's also been in Taxi Driver and Drive and Out of Sight, which are the other three films I've given at least a 92 that he's been in. And now he's generally not the main lead in, in the movies that he's in. You know, Finding Nemo, it's his voice. Uh, and Defending Your Life, he's the lead. But pretty much everything else, he is a secondary character. He's the villain, like in Drive uh, or, or something like that. Um, you could also have seen, may have also seen him in Weeds. He plays a pretty, a large supporting role in Weeds, where he's basically just a dick to uh, um, Mary Louise Parker and her family. But I, I like, I like Albert Brooks quite a bit. I think he's a fantastic actor. I like knowing that he's in a movie. I like seeing movies that he's in. He brings a lot to them. And he has, he's a great, it's surprising, you know, he doesn't seem like someone who would have a great physical presence, but he really does. Like, it's it's a combination of his voice and his mannerisms that really make him stand out whenever he's in a scene. Uh, particularly in Drive, I think he does this incredibly well. And uh, even in Taxi Driver, opposite of De Niro, you know, De Niro is at his best in that movie. Or, or at at least at the top of his game and you know Albert Brooks while he doesn't have too many scenes in that film I think is able to really hold his own against uh, De Niro in the few scenes that they do share together so I, I'm a huge fan of Albert Brooks uh, again kind of on the same line of Tom Cruise I don't he would be very close in that 10-11 range for me uh, based on opinion but I don't fault his position this high um it's kind of, you know, he's been in a lot of voice roles, and so it kind of depends on how much I value those against something, some of the other stuff he's been in. But I, I don't feel bad of, with him being number seven. That's Albert Brooks, number seven in July, number 66th overall. Moving on to number six. Uh, ranked 6th in July, ranked 63rd overall. Still outside of the top 50 right now. This is an actor born on July 26th, 1959, which is today as of this recording. Uh, so he just turned uh, 58, which actually seems really young when I, I think about it. I, I feel like he's so much older than that. But he's not. And that is... Uh, and he, so his 24 films that I've seen have an average rating of 67.96. He has been nominated for two Oscars, won two Oscars. And uh, his, his film score is a, film value is a 35, which makes his total score 106.96. So just three tenths higher than Albert Brooks. 
He is none other than Frank Underwood on House of Cards, uh, better known as Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey, who has been in a whole host of incredible films. Uh, He kind of broke out really big in the 90s uh, with American Beauty in 99, Seven in 95, The Usual Suspects in 95, L.A. Confidential in 97, uh, Glenn, Glary, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross in 92, uh, a, a Time to Kill in 96. You know, he's just kind of been there for everything. You know, I would even, I would throw in The Ref in 94. He does a fantastic job as a boss in 94's Swimming with Sharks. You know, it just, the list goes on and on and on. Um, he is kind of fantastic in that sense, uh, you know. And and it's not like he's playing small bit roles in these films either, you know. As you know, I, I think, in my opinion, his best film is *L.A. Confidential*, uh, followed by *The Usual Suspects*, which he won an Oscar for. Uh, in my opinion, incredibly deserved. Uh, his his uh, shoot, I'm not sure. Don't remember the name of his character in *Usual Suspects*. Why can't I remember it? Um, Verbal, Verbal Kent. Uh, yeah, he plays Verbal Kent in *The Usual Suspects*. Brilliant role. I was so happy to watch that movie without knowing the spoiler for it, despite the fact that I saw it like 20 years too late. And and then following *The Usual Suspects*, Glenn Gl- Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, uh, and then. Moon, Moon, he plays just he's just a voice role in Moon. Uh, we're kind of also we're peeking into his two thousands work as well. And you know Sam Rockwell is clearly the star of Moon. I think Sam Rockwell is absolutely incredible in Moon. But the support that he gets from Kevin Spacey's voice as the sort of as the animatronic computer in that film is incredibly necessary. He plays Gertie. The, the robot that Sam Rockwell talks to and could not be more suited. Uh, I think, you know, shy of getting someone like Alan Rickman, uh, if he had not done um, his role in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I think Kevin Spacey is perfect. You know, he's just drab enough. You know, he's not, he doesn't have that mean edge to his voice like we generally expect when you look at something like Baby Driver or Seven, or LA Confidential, uh, but he definitely brings a great consistency that also kind of builds and builds onto the tension as that film progresses. Uh, then, of course, Seven, uh, which is, is its own kind of magnificent thing. Margin Call, I think, is great. He's, he's great in it. Uh, he also does a voice in A Bug's Life, uh, one of the great Pixar films to one of the early, the second Pixar film released uh, where he voices Hopper, the grasshopper villain in that film. And, uh, you know, looking down the list at other things I didn't mention, Looking for Richard, uh, a documentary made by Al Pacino about a performance, uh, a Shakespeare performance as he's trying to like kind of suss out that role, figure out what he's doing with it. And uh, Kevin Spacey is part of the play that he's performing. 
He never performed. He's not himself in this documentary. He is actually a, a character in the play, uh, which is, is fascinating to watch. Uh, like I mentioned, Baby Driver, which just came out this year. And Spacey's good in it. Uh, he doesn't really offer us that much different than what we've seen before. But he is a solid performer and a veteran actor in that movie, surrounded by a lot of people who aren't really that versed, well versed in in uh, big cinematic movies. You know, you've got Ansel Elgort, who's only been in a handful of films, uh, John Hamm, and oh shoot, uh, I don't remember his name. I don't remember his name. John Bernthal, who are primarily recognized from their uh, television roles. Uh, plus you've got Lily James, who's also very young, and it's nice having Kevin Spacey there to kind of tie things all together. Um, but yeah, Kevin Spacey, uh, looking, you know, going back, you know, like Albert Brooks, Harry Dean Stanton, Tom Cruise, they're not top heavy on this spreadsheet. They are kind of spread out, you know, Tom Cruise has 390 films, 380 films, and 11 films rated in the 70s. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton is 534. Albert Brooks, 423. Kevin Spacey has five films rated in the 90s, six films rated in the 80s, one in the 70s, two in the 60s. He is very, very top-heavy uh, on the spreadsheet. And unfortunately, he's, got, he's a little bottom-heavy too, which is the main reason he's being dragged down out of the top five for this month. Uh, his roles in Superman Returns, The Men Who Stare at Goats, Spirit of Adventure, which is, I believe, a short film, uh, Horrible Bosses 2, The Life of David Gale, and his worst film, in my opinion, Fred Claus. And I think, you know, I did not get a chance to see Nine Lives, which came out last year. Not that I was particularly looking forward to it, but there is that as well. Um, big films that I, some films of his that I have not seen yet that are kind of on my radar are Elvis and Nixon. I've heard a lot of good things about. Um, but that, that's kind of it. Like all these other films I'm seeing in here are not ones that I'm very familiar with. Beyond the Sea, the Bobby Darren film might be okay. But everything else here does not look that great. So there's a good chance that despite how top-heavy Kevin Spacey is, he could drop out of this top 10. And I would definitely keep him in the top 10 if it were just based on my opinion. Uh, but I do feel at 58, he's definitely got a lot more in him, uh, depending on how long House of Cards goes on, because you know that's a huge time sap as far as acting goes. And... Uh, it's, it's, it'll, it'll be interesting going forward to see if he can really, if he can ever like kind of replicate the the magnetism, the presence that he had in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, L.A. Confidential, Usual Suspects, American Beauty, Seven, you know, because those are huge, huge films. So I'm I'm interested. I'm I'm interested to see like where he goes next. Is he going to keep putting out crap like Nine Lives, or will he be able to kind of get back to the uh, great stuff he put out in the 90s. And I think Baby Driver is a step in the right direction, but it doesn't show me enough just yet that he's back. So that remains to be seen. So that's Kevin Spacey. 
number six in July, number 63 overall. Moving on now to number five, uh, the highest ranked female on the July top 10 list, on July in general, as it turns out. Uh, she is currently ranked 52nd overall, born July 1st, 1916, barely sneaking in under the wire for this month. Um, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, she's still alive. 1916. She is 101 years old right now, which is incredible. Uh, she no longer acts uh, for many viable and, and important reasons. Uh, I've only seen four films that she's been in, so this will be a really quick one. Uh, but their average film rating is 91, which is insanely high. Uh, she's been nominated for three Oscars, won one, and I believe there's another nomination in there that I have not seen yet. Uh, she has a film value of 14 for a total score of 109 even, and that is the uh, incomparable Olivia de Havilland. Uh, she is... The four films that I've seen from her are Gone with the Wind, Oscar nominated, The Adventures of Robin Hood, the Snake Pit, Oscar nominated, and The Heiress, Oscar winning. The film of hers um, that I have not yet seen that she was nominated for an Oscar for is, give me a, she was also won for this film, as it turns out, is to each his own. Oh, there's five. So to each his own and Hold Back the Dawn are the two films of hers that I must see uh, as soon as possible to for completely round out her most notable performances and, and go from there. Uh, according to Letterboxd, the highest rated, highest, uh, most popular films of hers that I have not seen are Captain Blood, which she stars opposite Errol Flynn, uh, Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte uh, with Betty Davis and Joseph Cotton, Strawberry Blonde, of opposite James Cagney, The Dark Mirror with Lou Ayres, uh, Airport 77, The Swarm, They Died With Their Boots On, A Midsummer's Night, A Midsummer Night's Dream, and so on and so on. And uh, I, I really, I really like Olivia de Havilland. Uh, you know, my my sparse viewing of her films does not represent exactly how I feel about her. I think she's incredible in the Snake Pit, and. Honestly, the only reason she loses that is because, um, who was it in Johnny Belinda? Jane Wyman in, in Johnny Belinda is on a completely another level. She is she's absolutely phenomenal in Johnny Belinda, but I think Olivia de Havilland is fantastic in The Snake Pit. And in everything I've seen her in, in The Heiress, she's great. Uh, in The Adventures of Robin Hood, she's great. In Gone with the Wind, she's great. And it, it just, I need, just need to kind of flesh out more films. And I think, you know, uh, I would say that if I avoid a bad one in the first couple, 
she will she has a chance she definitely could break into the top 50 i i don't know how easy it's going to be for her to break uh, to knock uh knock on the door of number four in july there's a pretty wide gap there but it is certainly possible uh, but i do think that the the streak of incredibly highly rated movies is not one that can be sustained uh you've got gone with the wind rated 94 you've got a 93 rating for the adventures of robin hood 89 for the snake pit and 88 for the heiress all incredibly high and just very impressive it's it's you know it's tough to do two movies or even three movies that don't dip below like a high 80s rating and she did it with four so far and uh, we'll see if that can continue. I will for sure find a few more. I'll at least watch her other two Oscar-nominated films by next year's July. And hopefully a couple more beyond that. Because uh, she truly is uh, one of the best actresses of her time. So, that is Olivia de Havilland. Again, apologies, not much to say on her at the moment. But she is currently ranked 5th. Probably not as uh not enough quantity there for me to put her in the top 10 if it were just based on opinion but i i do think she is a fantastic actor and uh that's it so olivia olivia de havilland fifth uh in july 52nd overall number four uh and we break we take a huge gap so uh olivia de havilland at number five had a score of 109 our number four person, uh, who is currently ranked 19th overall, top 20, born July 9th, 1956. I've seen 46 films that he's been in with an average film rating of 61.76, the lowest average film rating of the July top 10. Uh, he's been nominated for five Oscars and won twice. He has a film value of 51 for a total score of 119.76. And that, my friends, is none other than the legendary Tom Hanks. Um, easily the most impressive and highest caliber Tom in the acting world, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, no offense, Tom Cruise, but you just don't have what it takes to knock off Tom Hanks. Uh, but that being said, let's take a look. You know, 46, that's a ton of films, and I'll try to sort of keep it as brief as I can in that regard. Uh, so according to Letterboxd, uh, Tom Hanks has appeared in 95 films to date, uh, which means I've seen about 48% of his filmography, so I'm only about halfway there. And uh, that's... <laughs> In some parts, it's kind of depressing to know just how far I have yet to go. But on the other hand, when you've got someone as fantastic as Tom Hanks uh, generally leading the way in these movies, that's a good thing. It's I'm, I'm not at all opposed to going through another 50 films that he's been in. And who knows how many more by the time I finally catch up. So, uh, you know... Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to first. I'm going to run down his films that I've seen, top to bottom, and then I'm going to kind of go through and just pick out some of the most notable things that he's been in, and we'll kind of go from there. Sound good? Doesn't matter. So, 
Uh, here we go. From his best movie, in my opinion, to his worst, we go with Toy Story, the original, Toy Story 3, Toy Story 2, Catch Me If You Can, Saving Private Ryan, Captain Phillips, Philadelphia, Castaway, Saving Mr. Banks, The Great Buck Howard, The Green Mile, The Simpsons Movie, Big, Charlie Wilson's War, Road to Perdition, Toy Story of Terror, Forrest Gump, Bridge of Spies, Partysaurus Rex, A League of Their Own, Sully, Cars, Apollo 13, Bachelor Party, Hawaiian Vacation, Toy Story That Time Forgot, The Terminal, The Polar Express, Lady Killers, and the Oscar goes to Cloud Atlas, Boat Lift, Small Fry, Turner and Hooch, You've Got Mail, A Hologram for the King, Joe vs. the Volcano, Angels and Demons, Extremely Loud, Incredibly Close, Da Vinci Code, The Burbs, He Knows You're Alone, Radio Flyer, The Circle, Inferno, and finally at the bottom, Bonfire of the Vanities. With 46 films, uh, Tom Hanks is one of just five people to have reached that landmark, uh, which is incredibly impressive. One of the most prolific actors uh, over a, quite a wide swath of time, a frequent collaborator with some of the best uh, directors around from... Uh, just you know, Spielberg from in Catch Me If You Can, Bridge of Spies, Saving Private Ryan. You've got Zemeckis and Forrest Gump. You've got a fantastic performance he had with Paul Greengrass, Paul Greengrass's Captain Phillips. Um, and of course, you cannot avoid his take on uh, Woody in Toy Story. Uh, now, he has been nominated for five Oscars, um, and uh, those. Some of those, so those films, uh, just to kind of point those out, are Forrest Gump, for which he won. You've got Big, which he was just nominated for. You've got Castaway, which was just a nomination. Philadelphia, which he won. And Philadelphia and, and uh, uh, Forrest Gump were back-to-back -back wins for Best Actor. And then you've also got his performance in Saving Private Ryan. So, uh, five nominations, two wins. And a lot of people think he's been snubbed, particularly for Captain Phillips. A lot of people thought he was going to get a sneak in there for Sully. Uh, that did not happen. And uh, it's it's you know he he's been a huge name, a huge presence in the acting world ever since he burst onto the scene. Uh, whether it's in something that was kind of uh, considered very, fairly mediocre, like the Terminal. Uh, something as uh, boisterous and blockbustery as Apollo 13, um, or even films like The Da Vinci Code and Inferno uh, and Angels and Demons that have not performed very well uh, critically or financially, but are still, um, you know, just even a bad Tom Hanks performance and movie is still an enjoyable one. You know, You've Got Mail, I don't think is a very good movie, but he's really good in it. Or The Burbs, I think is a really bad movie, but I think Tom Hanks is great in it. The Circle had no right. Like, he did not need to put in as great a performance as he did. And it was, it was such an understated performance. You know, he's not a big character in that movie, uh, but he definitely steals the show from Emma Watson time and time and time again. 
some of the films of his that I have not seen that are kind of big names, Sleepless in Seattle, Splash, That Thing You Do, The Money Pit, uh, Larry Crown. Um, he's got Toy Story 4 coming out in the next year or two. Uh, the Man with One Red Shoe. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. The rest of them I'm not really familiar with, as it turns out. But those are the ones that kind of stick out to me as films I've heard bandied about in, return, in, in terms of Tom Hanks that I just have not gotten around to yet. There's such a there's such a large number of films that he's been in, so it, it's tough to kind of check everything off the off the list. But Tom Hanks easily makes it onto this top ten list based on my opinion. Uh, probably looking at the names I've got to come, I do think he would be even higher if I had to rearrange them. But it's it's definitely someone who I think has more than earned his spot in the acting hall of fame if there were one uh, you know two oscars so he will forever be noted in that sense uh, some of the most recognizable roles in film history forrest gump woody from toy story saving private ryan uh, these are characters cast away these are characters that are live on now and have been with us for many many years and I think that given the fact that he is only 61, he has many more film roles to give us. And uh, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm very excited to see what's coming next for this guy. Uh, there's been a lot of talk of him at the moment for this the 2017 film The Papers uh, for his role in that. There's talk that he might end up as uh, another nomination for this movie uh, this is a, another Spielberg collaboration and it's got a cast that is to die for um, I mentioned Toy Story 4 uh, he's got another 2019 film listed here called The Ocean at the End of the Lane uh, which could be interesting as well as another 19, 2019 film called The Lost Symbol so three of these 95 films that I haven't seen are not out yet uh, well four if you include the papers but three of them come out in 2019, so there's a lot more going on here and to come. I'm... Yeah, I, I love Tom Hanks. He's... You know, he... He doesn't quite have a physical presence in movies. He has more of a... a I don't know how you would phrase it otherwise, uh, but he is someone who will always sort of draw your attention it's his voice really his voice is so distinguishable and the way he he uses it and you know it you know a lot of his movies when he was younger his voice and his body you know he's very skinny in a lot of his younger movies and with the voice that he has he ends up coming across uh, a little wimpier than you see him now, you know, especially in something like Captain Phillips, where he is a, a force in that movie. Uh, this is for sure, you know, he he just he makes that voice work in a way that I think no one else really could have, which is uh, you know a testament to just how great an actor he truly is. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, his top three films for me are Toy Story films because his voice is that good. 
You know, I never once think Tom Hanks when I'm watching a Toy Story movie. I see Woody. I only see Woody. And it is the craft and expertise of Tom Hanks that makes that possible. He is one of the most recognizable actors, one of the most well-known actors, who has a very, in my opinion, fairly well-recognized and distinguishable voice, and yet, in some of the most profitable and popular animated films of all time, where he voices the lead character, you don't even recognize that it's him until you see the credits. And I think that is unbelievably impressive unbelievably impressive that's tom hanks ranked fourth in july 19th overall we're in the top 20 going forward uh and uh that's exciting moving on now to number three we have uh, another veteran actor uh, this one born july 22nd 1955 so a year older than tom hanks he is ranked third in July, 18th overall, so just one spot above Hanks. Uh, I've seen 35 films uh, of this actor's filmography. They have an average film rating of 65.2. He's been nominated for two Oscars, has not won, and has a film value of 53, the second highest value of the top 10. Uh, for a total score of 120.2, about half a point higher than Tom Hanks. And that is the uh, film, stage, voice actor, founding member of the experimental theater company, the Wooster Group, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, who has collaborated with Sam Raimi, Wes Anderson, uh, and has also lent his, his voice to uh, Pixar the same way that Tom Hanks has, uh, has made quite a name for himself over the over the years uh, <clears throat> like I mentioned 35 films that is a ton uh, his two Oscar nominations that I've seen come from Shadow of the Vampire and Platoon very different roles uh, which is uh, something you know that it's tough you know you look at uh, he, he's you know he's a very very recognizable actor no one really quite looks like Willem Dafoe and so, playing a vampire in Shadow of the Vampire, he is absolutely on fire. He is perfect in that movie. And uh, then to see, kind of, if you watch Shadow of the Vampire and Platoon, Platoon back to back, it's there's there's no similarities to his performances. There is nothing shared between those two movies in what he's doing, and that is is something that is very difficult to do. You look at someone like Daniel Day-Lewis, whose Oscar wins for uh, There Will Be Blood and um, My Left Foot and Lincoln. You know, those are all three roles completely separate from each other. You watch those movies back to back to back and no one is saying that, like, he borrowed from any of these characters for his other roles. <clears throat> it is difficult and incredibly hard to differentiate your characters in that way and I think Willem Dafoe does a fantastic job of that which is so surprising you know he's most often cast as more of a villain more of kind of a sadistic twisted kind of character uh, I'm looking at movies like the Grand Budapest Hotel um, uh, Inside Man to an extent uh, John Wick to an extent 
um, Nymphomaniac Volume 2, uh, Spider-Man 1 and 2, Antichrist, uh, The Boondock Saints, and uh, or <laughs> The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. He is kind of just there. He's always he's menacing at times. He can be sadistic. He can be twisted. And it, it is very tough pinning him down. Uh, according to Letterboxd, some of the films of his that I have not seen towards the top um, are Wild at Heart, um, Live To Live and Die in L.A., uh, Born on the 4th of July, he was in as well, so that will probably affect his rating. He might drop down below Tom Hanks because of that film. Um, in fact, I can almost guarantee that he will. Uh, he will be in the upcoming Justice League movie, uh, which I really hope is good, but I have quite a few doubts as to the quality that that movie will have. Um... But Willem Dafoe, definitely, he's also going to be an Aquaman, for what that's worth. He's someone I really, I'm so excited when I see him in a movie. I think he is one of the best, sort of, 60-year-old actors going. Um, you know, I would put him just shy of, of where Tom Hanks is. I think he's almost at Tom Hanks level. Uh, you know, it depends on where, I think, right now... If you, if you pull out Captain Phillips as the exception, I think Willem Dafoe has been doing a much better job currently than Tom Hanks has been doing. Tom Hanks's roles lately seem to all be the same role. He's kind of playing himself in everything. Whereas I think Willem Dafoe is still putting in the effort to kind of make all of his characters feel very different, feel very unique. And that is something to be commended. So to that extent, I, I, I currently favor Defoe, but I think on the whole, Tom Hanks has had a much better career to this point. You know, the Academy Awards have definitely erred on the side of Tom Hanks, whereas uh, Willem Defoe has spent has been a little more. Um, I don't know he, he's kind of picking up now, but he's not playing. He's he's in good, really good, great, amazing movies, but not movies that are going to give him roles that are going to give him nominations so you know he's not quite on that level at the moment uh, but uh just kind of run down kind of his top 10 from me uh, i think fantastic mr fox is the best movie he's been in followed by finding nemo uh, he does have a very sort of gravelly dark and and deep voice that is, is perfect for um uh, animated films Followed by The Grand Budapest Hotel, Shadow of the Vampire, Platoon, John Wick, Inside Man, American Psycho, Nymphomaniac Volume 2, and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. That is my top 10 for Willem Dafoe. And uh, he is someone I very much look forward to in everything I see him in. And so, you know, one, whether or not uh, Justice League uh, is any good... I, I I know he's going to be good in it. He's he's never not good in a movie, and that is is worth going to the movie theater to see. One way or another, so that is Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe number three in July, number eighteen overall, 
and uh, one of my one of my favorites from this month. That's for sure. Our penultimate actor in the July Born Top 10 is currently ranked number 17 overall, just one spot ahead of Willem Dafoe, uh, second in July, born July 23rd, 1961, uh, and he I've been in, he's been in 31 films that I've seen currently, with an average film rating of 68.35. Uh, he also has tallied two Oscar nominations, uh, and has a total value of 50. He is also currently in one of the slots, uh, performance slots, in the 2017 Circle of Film Awards at the moment. And he has a total score of 120.35, which is 0.15 points higher than Willem Dafoe. And that is the great Woody Harrelson. Harrelson, whose participation in War for the Planet of the Apes has jumped him up considerably. He was originally fourth overall in in July, uh, but that film knocked him all the way up to second, barely edging out Willem Dafoe. Uh, Harrelson has been in roughly 91 films currently, uh, according to Letterboxd, uh, give or take a couple based on you know, release dates and things like that. Uh, 31. I've seen about a third of his films to date, which is a fairly sizable sample, I, I would I would say. And he is about as top-heavy as Willem Dafoe is. They both have five films rated in the 90s. They both have eight films rated in the 80s. You've even got nine to five. Willem Dafoe takes the advantage in the films rated in the 70s. But the biggest reason why... Harrelson edges out Defoe is in their bad films. While uh, Harrelson and Defoe have six and seven bad films respectively, five of Defoe's bad films are in the awful zero to twenty-four rating category, and only but and only one of Harrelson's is. Uh, Harrelson's film in that category is Seven Pounds. So those are really dragging Defoe down from entering the top 15, maybe top 10. And so Harrelson gets the slight edge there. And like I mentioned, currently he's in my Best Supporting Actor nominations for uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. I think he's absolutely phenomenal in that film. I, I don't know how where he is out of the five. You know, if I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the nominations right now and you know he's going up against Ray Romano in The Big Sick, Patrick Stewart in Logan, uh, currently uh, John Hamm in Baby Driver and Michael Keaton in Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, I don't think that's a particularly strong category currently you know we're still at the end of July there's a lot of time left to get some some bigger, stronger supporting roles for, for the males out there into the field. But I think he is a solid contender, and I think that a couple of these guys in here are weak. Uh, you know, Most of them ha- have just burst onto the scene in the last month or so, with Patrick Stewart being the only holdout who's lasted from before July as of right now. 
and I think he he gave a fantastic performance in Logan. But we're here to talk about Woody Harrelson, and Woody Harrelson, like I mentioned, has plenty of good films in his re- resume. War of the Planet of the Apes, currently my number one film from him. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he is great in it. I, you know, he's he's significantly. You know, he's able to hold his own with Circus's Caesar, but I don't think he ever outshines him. I think that that's a testament to Andy Circus's performance, as well as uh, uh, Harrelson kind of knowing that the film is about Caesar and, and, and being able to play his character, the Colonel, to the extent that he needs to without ever pushing it further and sort of trying to undermine what circus is doing if if he even has that next level i don't know that he does uh but but if he does and he's he's restraining himself then i think that's a great great move on his part um looking down the line some of his other fantastic films you know seven psychopaths which has come up a couple times in this episode already and i think it's it's greatly underrated film uh, you know, it, it was well-reviewed, but I think it kind of got passed over by a lot of people when it came out. And I I found, I think it's hilarious. I think it's incredibly funny. Zombieland, uh, The People versus Larry Flint, which is one of his two Oscar nominations. Uh, no Country for Old Men. Uh, Trans-Siberian, uh, The Hunger Games, and The Hunger Games Catching Fire. Uh, he's a narrator of the documentary Ethos. Um, last year's The Edge of Seventeen, which was also phenomenal, and he was great in it. He uh, was again a supporting character to uh, Haley Steinfeld, who I thought was magnificent. Uh, the Thin Red Line, The Messenger, which is Harrelson's second uh, Oscar nomination. Rampart, Wag the Dog, A Scanner Darkly, Friends with Benefits, uh, himself in the documentary How to Make Money Selling Drugs. Um, the Hunger Game, Mockingjay, Parts 1 and 2, North Country. And then we kind of get into the average and less than exciting films, uh, including this year's, or I think it was last winter's Wilson, uh, which was eh, very mediocre. So he's, you know, it, it's it's interesting. You know, he's been around for a long time. You know, he's, he's uh, 56 right now and has been acting for a while but i think the majority of his his best films his most recognizable roles have come in the late 2000s and the 2010s uh, particularly when you combine that his film roles with uh, his performance in true detective opposite matthew mcconaughey which was huge for him and he really came out on top in that situation uh, you know McConaughey. He, you know, just keeping up with McConaughey during that TV series was was a great, great for him. I, I I loved him in it. Some of the films of his that I have not seen uh, ranked in quarter, according to Letterbox popularity. You've got Natural Born Killers uh, from 1994, uh, Austin Powers: The Spy Who Shagged Me, uh, last year's Triple Nine. Uh, Kingpin, White Men Can't Jump, Semi-Pro, Indecent Proposal, L.A. Story. Uh, he's going, and then, you know, he's going to be in the Han Solo spinoff film next year, which is huge. 
I am ecstatically awaiting the debut of three billboards, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which comes out later this year. He is in that as well. And I, I could not be more excited for that. He is also going to be in The Glass Castle coming out later this year. And uh, I think that's it looking down through these films. You know, I'm not really recognizing any other titles that I'm seeing here. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I think Harrelson has more room to grow uh, on my spreadsheet. You know, there's definitely a lot of films left. And I'm sure a good number of them are not going to be helpful to his score. But I do think he's got a lot of potential. I think three Ebbings, or three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, is, is it looks amazing. I really hope it's great. Um, I've heard good things about The Glass Castle as well. So there's a lot of potential for Harrelson uh, going forward. And uh, that's why he's number two right now. Uh, he But... Uh, if you thought the gap between Tom Hanks and Olivia de Havilland at 10.5 points was big, uh, then the gap between Harrelson and our number one uh, thespian in the July-born top 10 is about twice that size. Uh, so, without any further ado, that was Woody Harrelson, number two in July, number 17 overall. And uh, he would definitely be in the top 10 were it based purely on my opinion. Now, the number one July-born actor as of right now, and I believe it has always been this person since the spreadsheet began, is someone who was born July 23rd, 1967, exactly six years after Woody Harrelson. Uh, and unfortunately passed away in February of 2014, February 2nd, Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day? February? Uh, he was 46 at the time of his passing. Uh, he was able to compile roughly 62 films in his time, in his years as an actor, and I've seen 32 of them, so a little over half. Uh, I, he's, I've given them an average rating of 72.06. He has been nominated for four Oscars, winning once, and has an, a film value of 62, the highest uh, in July, for a score of 139.06, just an under 19 points difference between this person and Woody Harrelson. And that is the incomparable and sorely missed Philip Seymour Hoffman. I was very disappointed, uh, very distressed and disappointed when I found out that he had passed away. He is, you know, he wasn't always one of my favorite actors. It took me a long time to, to recognize his performances and remember who he was. And, you know, I was, before I was like heavily into film, I, I just didn't, I don't know, I just, I just didn't see things the same way. And then, Five to ten years ago, you know, a few years before he died, I really began to notice just how incredible of an actor he was. From things like Punch Drunk Love to Moneyball, The Ides of March, uh, Marion Max, um, his his turn as Capote, Doubt, uh, and, and and so on and so forth. You know, he has been in some incredible films, 
and I think he's one of the best actors ever. And I know he's he's gotten a lot of credit uh, over the years, particularly in posthumously, but I still think he does not get enough credit. He is, in my opinion, indisputably one of the better best actors to have ever lived. And uh, just to name some of my favorite films of his, Almost Famous, The Master, where he was nominated for an Oscar, Boogie Nights, Mary and Max, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, The Big Lebowski, State in Maine, The Ides of March, Catching Fire, The Hunger Games, The Talent of Mr. Ripley, Capote, which he won the Oscar for, Leap of Faith, Moneyball, Punch Drunk Love, Cold Mountain, Magnolia, Charlie Wilson's War, Oscar nominated for his performance in that, Nobody's Fool, Savages, Doubt, another Oscar nomination there. A Late Quartet, 25th Hour, A Most Wanted Man, uh, and so on and so forth. You know, he has just been in a plethora of great films. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's racked up 12 films rated in the 80s, uh, just three in the 90s, uh, which is a little surprising, but he just kind of overwhelms in that 70 to 80 range. And I think that is a testament of just how much he brings to a scene, how much he brings to a role, how much he brings to a character and to a film. Uh, you know, there's a reason why he has so few films rated under the 60 mark. And that's because he in and of himself is one of the reasons why these films succeed. It is very difficult to find an actor who can individually propel a film to a positive rating um, I would say that out of all the people we've talked about tonight, or I don't know why I said tonight, but this episode, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is heads and shoulders the best at it, and I think it's a close second uh, between him and Tom Hanks for me personally. Uh, I'm sure other people may have a slightly varied opinion on that, but I just, I, I, you know, I say this about most of these people, but like I see that I see Philip Seymour Hoffman in the cast list and I get excited. I, you know, even the films of his that are not great, but are, are, are just kind of there. You've got Mission Impossible 3, uh, Heart 8, the Mockingjay Hunger Games films. Like, I don't think they're fantastic, but I love him in them. Uh, whether or not he is a hologram of sorts or or it is actually him in the film, I can't help but become enraptured. You know, Synecdoche, New York, I think is very mediocre, but I think he's fantastic in it. The Invention of Lying and Scent of a Woman, I don't think are great. But, you know, even as a young man, Seymour Hoffman was knocking his characters and his roles out of the park. And I am... Always excited to add another film of his to the list. So, that being said, a couple of the movies of his that I have not seen, uh, sort of in order of popularity, again, as far as Letterboxd goes, you've got Happiness, Red Dragon, Twister, The Boat That Rocked, uh, God's Pocket, um, Salinger, Jack Goes Boating, Owning Mahoney, and uh, that's pretty much it. Those are the ones that I, I recognize and, and have some vague familiarity with. The rest, I'm not really sure about. 
but I, you know, Philip Zimmerhoffen for a long time was number one on this spreadsheet. Uh, he is currently ranked number two, and he has a long way to go to get to that number one spot, uh, unfortunately. Uh, the gap between <laughs> 1 and 2 is even bigger than the gap between 2 and 17. So, with that being said, I want to thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, and before we go, before I wrap this all up here, I, I will kind of run down the top 10 just uh, again, kind of have a refresher, get those names next to each other uh, in a more concise and uh, expedient fashion. Starting at number 10 and working our way up, we have Fiona Shaw, Tom Cruise, Harry Dean Stanton, Albert Brooks, Kevin Spacey, Olivia de Havilland, Tom Hanks, Willem Dafoe, Woody Harrelson, and number one for this month, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Thank you so much for listening to today's to this episode. Um, if you have any comments, concerns, questions, or answers, you may direct those to circleoffilm at gmail.com. If you are interested in previous episodes of the podcast or are interested in looking at the Circle of Film Award nominations for this year, the winners from last year, the Scavenger Hunt Superlatives, information about me, about the podcast, about the spreadsheet, you can find all of that and more at circleoffilm.com. And... As always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same adieu. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.